When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Episode 864. We're going to do part two with Brett today. Before we jump into that, I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish. Um, you know, I'm so thankful that they are partners with us and that they, you know, they 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 are able to share the way that they do. They're not only selling shooting machines, but they're sharing, sharing this great game of basketball. So go over and check them out. Mention Coach Unplugged and they'll give you $350 off. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. It is the one-stop shop for basketball coaches. But what I love about it and what, what I love is when I get all those messages from my teachhoopers just saying, thank you, you know, this has been so helpful. I couldn't, I got stuck and you were there. And that that's one of the reasons I do it. It's a great thing. So come over and check it out. There's nothing else on the market like it. Um, 14 day free trial as we talk. So check it out and let's head off to the podcast. From the fifth quarter studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to coach unplugged. And now your host, Steve Collins. Ten percenter kid that has the ball in his hands. We're talking about the rest of them, but they—it's hard for them to get the ball out of that and then score. Like that's a hard pass. You know, we a couple of years ago we were playing a team that had a really good ball screen action that we just didn't think we could stop. And our game plan to start the game, we were not a good doubling team. We we're just going to fire double hard. Right. The first three possessions. If it doesn't work. Excuse me, if it doesn't work, you know, they're going to score. Right. They threw the ball away three times, quit running that play, and we were only going to do it three times the whole right. game. And it just <laughs> totally, you know, it worked. And, you know, it. Uh, I think there's a lot to that. If you can double a ball screen, one of the things I have in there is one that I'm studying and working on. So you come, they come off the ball screen, and we just try turning them back to the guy that was guarding him, kind of like how you turn a dribble handoff back to him. I like that, yeah. And just turning him right back, and here comes that guy that was guarding him. And he's maybe trying to throw it to the roll guy or something, and now we have a double team coming right into his face. Because I think ball screen defense, a lot of the best thing you can do is just 
change what you're doing. You know, if you're hard hedge and recover and they're killing you on it, just making a simple adaptation, they, most high school teams can beat you one way. They're not going to beat you, you know, with two or three different balls. Right. And if they're that, then they're probably holding a ball at the end of the season. If they're that good. Yeah. They probably were going to beat you regardless. Right. Right. I love that. Is there a specific way other than the first couple of things of practice that you kind of implement this? So we started really simple with those things throughout the season. And then we do a lot of, we'll do a lot of three on three, four on four, but then we also do a lot of three on four, four on three disadvantage advantage type stuff where we keep implementing that. And one thing, so I guess our biggest three things balls or switching all these screens is the fundamentals of the switch. And that's just a lot of communication, aggressive switching um, the second one's transition. So I thought we were asking guys really hard asks of, hey, you have to stop the layup because we pride ourselves in transition defense. You're just not going to score on us in transition defense. And right. then, and, and, and you're, you're definitely not going to get an – we'll let you – if you shoot something in transition against us, it better be a mid-ranger. We better yeah. run you off the line, and we better not give you a layup. Like, if you know, you're going to come down – Yeah, 12-footer, jumper – you know, we'll give you, I mean, we don't give it to you, but. And we will match up, you know, we obviously we don't, there's matchups we don't like, you know, we don't like our slowest guy and their best player, but we don't like layups in transition and we can re-switch later on in the possession. If we can get that initial action stopped, that's a really good thing. I think, because one of the first things when I was looking at doing this, I called a coach from way down in Southern Illinois and I knew he did it. And I'd watched several of the state tournament teams play. And he's like, you have to get your kids to realize not everybody gets equal focus, like their best player in transition. That's somebody we're worried about the layout right. we're worried about. And the especially in high school, school. there is such a difference between one and five. I'm sorry. Now I've had teams and again, probably got a ring over my in my case about when, when there's when that difference isn't and you're, when you're good and that difference isn't big, that's when you're like you're you're winning things. Like the difference between one and five and the difference between one and eight is like literally the Grand Canyon for most high school. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> and that's and I thought that helped us when we did play those type of teams that had multiple scorers. When we weren't worried about, well, James has got to be guarding this guy and Billy's got to be guarding this guy, and we could re-switch later on. Now, another drill that I think really helps us with this, and I found this somewhere the last off a couple off seasons ago, we put four cones in the corners of the like the corners of the court, and if you shoot on offense, you have to touch the furthest cone. You have to go around the furthest cone on your side. And then let's say you're on your, your, you shoot, let's say you shoot from the wing. Are you going to the cone in that wing? So if you shot the ball on the right wing, you'd have to run to the left wing on the same side of the half court and go back, go back. Yeah. On the same side of half court, then go back. And it was, it creates a lot of good five on fours. Oh, I like that. For our defense to actually have to stop. What do you what do you what do you call that, coach? Just cone transition drill. I don't have I don't have any like crazy. We'll call we'll call it four cone transition drill. I love that. I'm gonna use and, that one. And the best thing is you can do it in your like three possession games, your five possession games, or a scrimmage. 
You like it doesn't have to be like we used to do like line up across the free throw line, yeah. you run down to the other end, you touch the baseline. It's worthless. It's like it's I it's, tell so my coach do you them, um do you is it on the shot or is it on the make? On the shot. Okay. And then we you know, that's I was thinking about that when I was looking at it. And I mean, I think we just put emphasis on our defensive rebounding of like you're going to hear about it if the offense got a rebound five, four guys. Right. And we, and we didn't, it didn't happen that much this year. Okay. We were also okay. a pretty good rebounding team. Okay. Cause that was, that, that was teams. the first thing I was thinking about. Okay. So he does that. He, he shoots it, but he doesn't necessarily make it. And then they get there, but you're right. That now I'm just going to stop at that. I go, are you kidding me? There's four guys and he got the re they got the, re I love that. Yeah. My workaround, if I had a team that, wasn't a good rebounding team would probably be that then you'd have a second guy having to go to a cone. So then maybe it would be even more because the other guy probably got to one. Right. Before it happened. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I love that. Um, so was it, was this hard to implement? I found it pretty easy. You know, I, it was, you know, we go into our first game and we're like, okay, <laughs> We're switching everything. How's this going to be? But we had already switched like a lot of one through four and then very rarely our five. And we were like, we got to just go all in if we're going to do this. Because what we were doing is, okay, you can't, you don't, this guy, we can't switch off. That would be our rule. And right. we're like, there's just too much here for these kids to know. So instead we say we switch everything, but we still have options to like just absolutely deny their best player. And then we'll still be able to switch that at times. And that really helps us double that guy, I guess. Because yeah. we're like, hey, James is going to guard this guy. If he does, if he's, says stay, he is staying. If you're going to make an error, he's on their best player. That's the guy we'd rather make an error towards. And then, you know, we, we played in a Thanksgiving tournament. that um, We got kind of like – we, we switched tournaments this year. We probably were in a tournament we shouldn't have been in. Our first three games, we were just killing people. And it was good just to get the reps in. And then here comes our championship game of a Thanksgiving tournament. And it's a team that does the same thing, but out of a zone, not out of man. And, you know, a, it was just a bad shooting game that we ended up winning eventually. But, it, you know, we got some, you know, reps at it. I thought it really helped us. And then uh, as the season went along, we just kept getting better and better because we had all these practices to work on it. But one of the other reasons why we went to it is we play 31 games now in the state of Illinois. That's crazy to me. Yeah. We played 18 games this year without a practice before the game. So 18? like 18 games. Oh, my God. I could pull my hat off right now and yeah. take some of this hair and put it away. I mean, I would drive me bonkers. Oh, my so God. So, it really helped. I'm like, guys, we're playing this team. They played on Friday night. We played on Friday night. They've never played a team that does this. We have a major advantage. We work on them feeding the post or ball screens every day, and they started working on how to attack a switching team today in their walkthrough. And uh, I thought it was a really big help. This year, we're not going to be – we're not going to be nearly as talented. We're going to be slow, but I think you can adapt it really well. I, I, well, I think it sometimes works better when you're not as athletic because yeah. the, 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 the angles and the, and the space that you got to do, um, do you always like, do you have a rule below the free throw line? You always front the post or you just always front the post. So 
if they're in what we call the post block, which is, you know, like one foot in the paint, we're yep. fronting them. Okay. And if they go outside of that, who cares? Because if we play behind them yeah. and they, and they're going to shoot an isolated mid range too. Great. We'll clap our hands. Yep. If they hit that shot, they're not going to make it enough to beat us. Um, one thing that we did go to this year, and I think I got this from Texas Tech, whenever, or maybe it was a European. Yeah, I've I've watched so and listed so many things. <laughs> I know. I, I'm never going to give anybody the right credit. So when they set the ball screen and roll, instead of fighting to get underneath them, we go over the top with a hand in the passing lane, and we got a ton of deflections doing that because they see this roll guy opening. And my, we teach our guys, I mean, you can be willing to leave your feet and just jump to get the deflection. The ball goes flying off them out of bounds. But we went over the top on a roll, and I thought it really helped us throughout the season. So what do you mean? So uh, if I have the ball on the wing and, and, and you're coming up and set the screen, you're just stepping over the top of it. Yep. So, like, you set the screen on me and you roll to the basket. I'm, like, swim moving over the top of you trying to go ride you over the top so then I can front as well. I did because mo- we used to teach, you know, if you got ball screen and they rolled to the basket, you've got to sprint underneath the basket and then the right. guy would just pin you. Instead, we I went like over that. the top. I like that. You know, you know, know, another thing about high school kids is they can't swing it fast. I mean, first of all, the lo- I can count in 30 years – and probably it's like 800 high school basketball games. And I've had D1. I've had professional post players. How many times they've lobbed it in there on a – I mean, I don't care if you put a 5'10 guard on a 6'7 kid. There's not many times that they're going to lob it in there and score. I mean, I bet when all the film you've watched, you haven't seen that happen very often. No. It's no. kind of like the post-rim run. It looks great on paper in your transition, run into the paint and right. getting it. And then you look at you're like, wow, we only scored on that eleven times this year, right. and uh, the teams. I mean, I, can, I probably really count bad. on two hands how many times I've seen that pass actually effectively made at the high school level. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, and this all fits in. I was I was just reading something the other day that uh, I think it was a women's college coach was talking to Chris Beard, and they're like, yeah, but this and that. He goes, okay, they're going to score. You're going to give up six points a game where you switched to two two guys went with the same guy and somebody scored right underneath the basket. He goes, but take the six and compare it to the 32 you were giving up last year. Right. Which one would you rather have? Right. And I was like, that, that totally makes sense. You will look stupid. I mean, we were playing against a really good structured team in our Christmas tournament. And, I mean, we were just giving them fits. They couldn't throw their reverse passes because they didn't like the timing on our switch. They, they called about three different timeouts, and they finally got this play down where they set, like, three different combinations of screens and back screens somebody real quick, got a layup to the basket. And I was just like, that was a hell of a play. <laughs> like, what, right. are, what are you going to do? Like, Good for you. Three timeouts to get that play on us. Right, right. And then the thing is you can, you can only run that play so many times because my guys are going to adjust. Yeah. Like – no, I, I agree. I think it's I think it's a one I mean I, I loved watching. It was great. I mean and the thing is it's like me and one of my assistants were always talking about like we gotta simplify, we gotta make it and we did it maybe it was maybe two or three years ago. It's like we're switching, we're switching. And then a little bit last year we got out of it, like, oh, we shouldn't switch on that kid. We I'm going back. I you sold me on going back because it's like it's just easier. It's like Well and and you can do simple stuff like 
we played Schaumburg this year who has a kid going to Wisconsin. Yep. We tried I – mean, actually, we probably did too much. We tried to change us to go against him. And he did, and it was like we had played at 9.30 at night the night before and lost in the semifinal game of a 32-team Christmas tournament we're in. How many games can you play in a Christmas tournament? Five. And, uh, we and it counts to, as one? Yeah. Well, we actually have no rules anymore. You can play in a 64-team tournament. You just have 31 total now. There's no rules on how many games a tournament can have anymore. First of all, okay, so for the people doing math on this, this is what's crazy. We went from 22 to 24, and it's it's like, are you kidding me? I don't have time to do 22. Beginning of November, so you gotta you, we gotta practice for like 10 days or whatever, seven days. So it's the middle of November to the middle of March, and then there's Christmas in between. There's not enough time, like you said. There's not enough time. It's crazy. Yeah, that's we played. Every Saturday, but three Saturdays. That was probably the hardest thing for me. I've got a one-year-old daughter last year, and she's. I'm like, I I don't know what to do. Like, I'm never home on a Saturday. So we played every Tuesday, Friday, Saturday for the season. But, you know, and it's great being in a 32-team Christmas tournament. You don't even see – there's teams that I've been there for six years in this tournament. I've never even seen some of these teams play because we've always been on the winner's side. And they maybe haven't been. And, you know, it's – they're like, try picking an all-tournament team for a 32-team Christmas tournament. (laughs) Oh, my God. I know. It's like (laughs) – Like, we get the sheet to do the – that's, like, the worst part of Christmas tournament. They hand you the sheet to pick an all – all-tournament You know what I do? You know what I do at this point? I hand it to my assistant Yeah. It's like, here you go. You know, can't vote for my own. Here you go. You've watched these. You probably watch as much film as I have. What's the hardest thing to teach on this? You know, I think it go, communication, just because that's the hardest thing to get anybody to do. I had a kid this year, and, I mean, he, he's never talked on the court. To say, you know, he just won't say anything. And I was like, dude, even if you're barking out there, it's going to help. Like, somebody's going to at least hear where you are at. Right. And, you know, he laughs when I say that, you know. But he I would literally it. start barking on the side. If I if yeah. I had that kid on my team and I did that, I'd just like – do that. If I see him in the hallway at school, that's what I'd do. I'd make them laugh about it. Eventually, they'll – high school boys especially, if you do that stuff with them, it triggers something. I don't, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that when we went to like, hey, don't be afraid to make mistakes, be aggressive, and, you know, talk, and somebody else is going to pick you up. Because we continue to switch, and we do what we call most dangerous – we're like, okay, their kid that can hurt us is in the th- corner wide open. I know that's not your man right now, but you're guarding somebody that's averaging four points a game. Rotate. Go. You know, hey everybody, you hope it. you're enjoying the podcast. Um, I'd like to give a big shout-out to teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. They, they allow us to keep these podcasts moving and chugging and uh, allow us to pay the bills. Um, so it's one way that you can give back. If you love these podcasts, come over and join for a couple of months, the 14 day free trial, kick the tires around. And we've got lots of great new things going up on a daily basis. We would love if you subscribe and like, um, wherever you, you do that, Apple, Spotify, um, and then go over and check out our other two podcasts, uh, high school hoops and teacher side gig. I think you'll love them. All right, let's hey, head back to go. The you know, you see them, our whole offense is designed around drive and kick you see a kick coming, anticipate that rotation. And that's probably the other hard thing is getting it out of their system of that's my guy. 
Right. Well, I didn't have to hustle back and transition because that was my guy. No, 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 no. Like that's not how it's going to work. Do you, uh, do you, did you run dribble drive with your team this year? So we kind of run like a four out version of what Villanova does where you okay. just cut through. Yep. So our offense is really simple. You throw it to the wing, cut to the other corner. If you throw it across the top, you exchange with your guy in the side, but then we all of a sudden did start throwing in some dribble drive stuff. So teams would really try blowing up our passing lanes. So we started running some dribble drive stuff, which I used to do before, like you even heard of, I saw a team in Southern Illinois running three out dribble drive, like in Oh three. And I was like, wow, that's really good. And I liked it. So I've been doing it for a while, but I, we did do some dribble drive we did some ball screen stuff. We run a lot of horn sets because in our conference, you've got ultra pressure teams. You have man. Nobody plays half court man. Like they're all have like either a matchup, three quarter court. Really? Yeah, we don't. Hey, you're see not in Wisconsin because yeah. everybody plays man. It's <laughs> like as you're gonna hear. Like I'm, and I tell people all the time: if you're getting, if you're starting a program. Pack line might be the worst thing to do right now because everyone is doing pack line. Like you want to be different. Like my very first teams when I was a head coach at Plano, we were football players playing basketball. Right. So we could not let a basketball game break out. My best player is a linebacker for the Broncos now. He was an athlete. He wasn't a very good basketball player. And I remember one coach just saying, you guys are like a bunch of damn gnats out on the court. You just bug us everywhere. If we did that at Hinsdale South, we would give up 100 points every game. Right. I'm, I'm, you've listened to me long enough. I'm telling you, I think change is – high school kids do not a deal to a change. Like, yeah. I won a state tournament one year because I went to a 131, and we had run, we had run it in like two weeks because I needed to do something. And, in, you know um, – Well, in two years ago – well, these kids I had last year, when they were juniors – Every team in our conference had a six-six wing that could bring it up the floor and just score. So we would line up in a two-three and match up off the first pass. And they'd come across half court and be like, "They're in zone, coach. They're in zone." And we're not. We're at the you know the coach is like, "It's at their man after one pass." And you've got to have some of those tricks because you know it's. I'm trying to remember what the uh, study is where it's like, you know, you think you know everything when you start as a coach and then you, after about a year, you realize how little, you know, and then you start to build up. Like if you're going well, I, against, I think, I'm telling you right now, after the last four months, I'm less confident than I was like 10 years ago. Like, so I gotta, I gotta simplify. I gotta like, it's like, I've coached for a really long time and it's like, I, yeah, I, I wish I was in my twenties again when yeah. I knew everything. Like, crap, I don't know everything, you know, I'm not even close to it. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, and then as soon as you think, you know, all this stuff, all of a sudden the game changes, you know, my dad watches this stuff with me every once in a while. And, you know, he's like, well, here we ran flex and so double stack. I didn't, I did in my early career. I went with Wesley who plays for the bucks right now. We ran flex with Wesley, like, but it worked and it was the, you know, it was, it was, you know, um, <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, there's, I was just listening to a European person talk about, they were like, what's the most impressive offense you've seen? And it's some guy in Perth, Australia running flex, but he has like 35 variations of it. So you can do almost anything. And I think there's some good teams around us that run flex. 
And it's, I mean, good luck getting a kid to guard a flex screen in 2020 because they don't want to be touched. Their AAU coach hasn't, you know, is like, oh, don't even worry about defense. They're just going to try to steal it and block it at all times. Right. You know, and you you have some kids that are willing to set that back screen. You're going to score on that. You are. And the thing is, there's so many variations of the, and swing tends to be a little bit more popular than even flex because of the spacing, but um yeah you're right after after texas tech and and virginia made it to the finals pack line was all set you know the defensive and all all that stuff was was set um is there one success or one failure you've had in your career that you know a moment that you would want to share well you know one failure that i i feel like i just continue to have is like i have that junior that's talented and i just can't get him out on the court as a junior. I'm not a real deep sub guy. Like I'll, I'll ride guys. And like, you know, I've like, I'm not the guy playing 10 or 11 guys. Um, you know, it's even if you did have 11 guys that could play, it's hard to be in a rhythm and do everything. I think when you sub that much, but I think every year I have that guy that I'm like, Hey, he's going to be like one of our top six or seven guys. And he never plays. And, like, that's something I'm looking at. That's one of the things that really liked whenever I – that's usually the kid that he's listening for what I'm going to correct him on on the court whenever he's out yeah. there. I'm like, that's that's the kid that it takes 30 minutes to get back on track to get his confidence. And, you know, some kids just don't have that in their DNA. I start, I played a sophomore this year that I literally – he he shot a pull up three in one of our first games. And I was, I just looked at him. He's like, I'll never do that again. <laughs> and cause he knew, he knew his role on the court was just to let everybody else kind of do the shooting and everything. Right. And he was going to do all the dirty work. Right. Not every kid can do that. You know, we had a couple of juniors this year that, you know, had the talent to help us, but they just, I it's, couldn't it's fit, get it it's, out of it's them. Fitting, it's, yeah, it's fitting in them in the thing. And it, it, what I think is interesting, too, is you're, you're still in quarters, right? Yeah. When we went to two 18-minute halves, my coaching I, – I totally had a shift because my stud can't go for 36 minutes. I would try. Oh, that's <laughs> tough, man. But the problem is think you got to think of it in terms of a college game. No one plays 40 minutes of a yeah. college game. No one. Like – I don't care who you are. Watch a college game. Even the studs come out at some yeah. point. You know, you watch the NBA games. They're playing, you know, they're playing 40. What are they playing? Uh, 48 minutes. Giannis is out with seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and it's a three-point game because they know they got to rest them. Um, I think some of that, too, for me personally, is just my experience as coaching in smaller schools. Yeah. I, think, I mean, I, yeah. You you're in a small gotta, like, So here's what I do is, like, so – like I had my point guard not this year, but the previous year. Well, I had to get him out. I had to rest him because he's my one of my best players. So I would have my assistant say, you know, about the nine minute mark, they go, he needs a rest, and I'd pull him out for like a minute and a half, and I'd put him right back in, and it made me. There's two ways that I've caused myself to to sub more and to work on my bench, especially early in the season. I do that. I try to give everybody a blow at least in the first half. I can ride him 18 minutes a second half if I have to. And then the uh, the second thing is um, if you pick up two fouls in the first half, I'm pulling your ass. Um, and it, it forces me to go to my bench. Now, 
it was a lot easier to do it when I was a lot better. <laughs> um, I've, I've readjusted that a little bit in the sense that I'll throw them back in. I don't want the game to get away from us. Um, I, I kind of want to force that. I want to see what eight through, because I know some of the state championship games I've won have been because of seven through 10. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ankle injury, someone got sick, you know, to make that long run, you're going to need seven through 10. You're going to need one of them. I'm and it's, not sure when. it's tough too, because they, you know, they're coming in. Well, I'm a, I'm a stud on my travel basketball team, or I did this and, <laughs> you know, and like, Hey, I literally just need you not to mess up. Like I just right. need you to go out there and play defense. I need you to move the basketball. Like, is that's what our kids got really big into this year. We shot the ball so well of every time you take a hard shot, somebody else didn't get to shoot an easy shot. Right. So like when you shot that contested three or that quick three, somebody else had a wide, if you would have just taken, we could move the ball two times. Somebody else was shooting a wide open three and my kids, this is a proud coaching moment. And by the end of the, by the middle of the season, we'd be watching film and they would start laughing at the other shots that teams were taking. They were like, that has no chance to go in. They're like, they can't beat us shooting that shot. And they're like, we're going to shoot 20 wide open threes and we can really shoot it. And they're going to shoot 20 so would, shots. Would you take 20, 30, 40 seconds to get the open three? No. I mean, you know, we move the ball really quick. You know, okay. we have some – like, we're not a spread ball screen team, but we did have some of that. We run some pretty unique spacing plays. Okay. You know, like, you know, that just, okay, you're going to have to make a choice. Are you going to stop my point guard or are you going to leave one of my shooters or the the guy running to the rim? Because you had enough them. shooters. You didn't have one or two shooters. Yeah. You had three or four shooters. I've had those teams where it was like, well – Brian's out of the game and he's the only kid that can shoot. So, you know, but I think there's also something to say there. One year, my worst three point shooter that was ever allowed to shoot. Cause I do have kids that I just tell them you're not going to shoot it. But one year when we were really good, my worst shooter had the highest three point shooting percentage on our team because he knew the only thing he was going to shoot were perfectly set up kick out threes. And in, in, this, in this stuff that I shared, and I talk with my kids all the time, here's our stats in shooting. Kick out threes, we say, at college. I think I got this from Xavier a long time ago. Okay. In college, they said they surveyed 100,000 shots. A kick out three goes in 60%, which is right about where we're at every year. Okay. Kick out three, 60%. So kick out means drive, kick out means drive and post. kick, post and kick, something like that. Yep. Okay. It got into the paint, got out okay. 60%. Coming off a screen, so your emotion team, 30. So it goes in half the time of a kick out three. So you almost want to give that. That's what we talk about. And, uh, like, we're not worried on that initial pin down that they're going to catch and shoot early in a possession because that I think it's off the dribble is 20%. And off ball screen is ten percent. Those are the stats that we yeah. Tell. You know what? You know what it is too. And again, it's a stats teacher. Me, it's the ones that when they hit them off the dribble, that's kind of burning your brain. And absolutely, it's like oh. like all all studies, there are outliers. I've had kids that cannot shoot a kick out three to save their life that are pure 
like Chicago playground cross pull up. <laughs> right. They can make that. Um, Alonzo Verge was in our conference. He's a, I think he scored like 60 points in a game for Arizona State last year. He couldn't make a shot wide open. You, the harder you guarded the kid, the more they went in. Like we'd have two guys all over him. He's shooting fadeaway threes at the buzzer at the end of the quarter, nothing but net. Right. Like, what is this? Um, See, almost, but I'm not changing my defense for right. these outliers yeah. like that. But, you know, and we, we do take the analytics really serious. We, you know, and we talk about those numbers all the time. And, you know, we do love layups, dunks, kick out threes. If we have that player that can add, you know, to that, if he can pull up and hit an elbow jumper and transition, I've had kids that are dynamite at that shot. That does a lot for your offense. But it's the hard thing in coaching is getting your kids to buy in that you're the fourth best player and you can't take the hardest shots. Like you need you, – you might score 10 a game. My sophomore that came off the bench had several games where he scored 10 on layups because, you know, they're double teaming us and he dives to the basket, he gets it. You know, counts the same, you know, but he wasn't – he helped us because he didn't shoot that mid-range jumper that was tough. That's why I tell I tell young coaches too. I do I do pre I do after I pick my team I do roles then and then I in about then we play some games and then I'll sit them down again and then I'll sit them down again you know right before tournament. It's like this you can't look <laughs> you can't shoot these like it's the Bob Huggins thing. You're open for a reason, man. Yeah. Well, my <laughs> best my best player this year. He was shooting 22% from the three-point line like five games into the season. And I'm like, Billy, you're going to get the green light, but you got to shoot the easier ones. Right. Like you're shooting the tough one the next time down, you're shooting – you know, you don't want to shoot on that kickout because you just shot a three. I think he shot like close to 50% from that point on right. after a rough start. And you're going to have some bad shooting games. You know, you're just not – it's just not going to go in some games. Right. I mean, and you got to be able to read. I think in, in the problem with analytics too, it's like, you got to take it with, (laughs) there's so many numbers. So it's from the stats teacher and you like, you got to pick some things that are important to you. Like, you know, points per possession are important to us. Turnover percentage is important to us. There's a, there's two or three that, that are big analytics for me. Um, Changing offenses. How often do you do you, do you have do you have something? So do you have do you have quick hitters and stuff for the end of quarters and of halves, all that stuff that you work on? So my kids would tell you their favorite play. They will call it every time is what we call Celtics. If you YouTube Brad Stevens tandem, it's it's an awesome play. So like my five man stands facing the rim. It, like the volleyball line, mm-hmm. my best shooter starts at the free throw line facing half court, and we have two guys buried in the corners. Point guard drives off that. As soon as he goes by the five, the five rim runs. Now I've had some guys that can just catch it and throw it down, down. off that, so teams are worried about it. And my best shooter just slips right back up to the top of the key. So you had to guard this point guard in ton of space. I've got two shooters in the corner. And now I've got my another really – the kids, the, you can tell who they think is the best shooter at the time because they always get them into that, like, free throw line area. And he just gets wide open threes after wide open threes. But then, you know, teams start to get, like, some strategies against it. So then we just hey everybody, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, like, um, 
We love those. Um, and send me an email, steve at teachhoops.com. Tell me what you want to hear in the future. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Have a great day. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.